Matthew 12, verse 13 to 21. The title of my sermon is Smoke and Fire. Smoke and Fire. Matthew 12, verse 13. Then Jesus said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and it was restored like the other. Then the Pharisees went out and took counsel against him how they might kill him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there, and great crowds followed him, and he healed them all, and warned them that they should not make him known, to fulfill what was spoken by, the, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Here is my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will render judgment to the Gentiles." He shall not struggle nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not quench, until he renders judgment unto victory, and in his name the Gentiles will trust. This is an incredible picture of Jesus in these few verses that I've shared with you today. We began where he had just healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath and the uh, Pharisees were furious about it because he'd broken their man-made religious traditions. In fact, they were so angry that they decided that they were going to snuff him out. I use that phrase because we have a candle um, example that we're going to come to. They, they were going to take the flame of his life and they were going to snuff it out. They were going to kill him. They were plotting how to destroy him. And while they were plotting how to snuff out his candlelight of life, Jesus withdrew, but great crowds followed him. This was how, how much his fire was burning and his light burning. John the Baptist said that, that, that he was a lamp, but Jesus was the light of the world. And so here is Jesus burning and shining so greatly that great crowds follow him. He tried to leave, the crowds wouldn't let him leave. And he healed them all. Think about that. Every single person with every single ailment, not one, one went away disappointed, but the anointing of the Holy Spirit was so powerfully upon Jesus that he was ministering without measure in that season and they were all getting saved. But this is a classic Jesus, isn't it? But he told them not to make him known. I mean, we're talking thousands of thousands of people, you know, who won't leave him alone and he's healing thousands and thousands of people and his message to them is, don't tell anybody. I love that. But that's, who, that's what Jesus is like. He wasn't out for self-promotion. He was out to promote one person only, his father, who was his audience of one. But he did this because this was to say something about his character. There he is, burning flames of revival. We've perhaps studied revivals in the past, past history and Revivals in the Old Testament and revivals that started in Pentecost, but 
Nothing could touch the revival fire that was Jesus Christ, the burning light of the world. And so this amazing, bright, burning fire of God on the earth, burning up sin, burning up sickness, burning up demonic oppression, the fire of God's word burning in the teaching and preaching of Jesus. I mean, it was fire, 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 fire. The Spirit of the Lord was upon him to preach the good news and signs were following. And yet he says to them, don't spread the news to fulfill something that was spoken by Isaiah. Here is my servant who I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I'll put my spirit upon him. Well, they've just been seeing what it is for the spirit of God to fall on the son of God who is under the favor of of the father God and has been chosen to do this task. Think about that. Chosen by the Father, anointed by the Father, with the favor of the Father, and the Holy Spirit without measure. It doesn't get any better than that. But not only to preach to Israel, but there's a note already here of the mission that would come when he said, go into all the world. He'll render judgment to the Gentiles. But then here is where we're narrowing it down tonight. He shall not struggle or cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Remember the backdrop. Great power, crowds, miracles, healing. His light is burning and shining so bright in his teaching and his words and his miracles. But there are some people that are out to snuff out this candle, to put that candle out. It's the Pharisees. They're plotting about how to do it. And it says he'll not struggle nor cry out, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. This is a picture of someone getting rowdy, somebody standing up for themselves and using their exertion and using their power and using their own strength to fight their corner against those that are trying to attack them. The idea is someone rolling out of the pub into the streets. That's happened a few times during the World Cup, hasn't it? Rolling out of the pub into the streets, having had an argument with somebody over a football match or a penalty and shouting and making a noise uh, and struggling. This is the picture. But what this is saying is that even in his great blaze of glory, that Jesus was going to come to a place where he would not struggle, he would not cry out, he would not fight back in the streets, but he would become like a bruised reed. The picture is of a a bruised reed that you could find in the wilderness, and it's been beaten down, and it's been trodden down, and and it looks like it's all over for that reed. It's it's just finished, but actually uh, it's not broken yet. There's still sap of life in it, and it can recover. I preached a message at the 2.30 last year or the year before, I can't remember, on the bruised reed, where I focused on the bruised reed aspect of this verse. But it's the next thing. A smouldering wick he will not quench until he renders victory. Now, this smouldering wick, it's the picture of a candle, and it's a picture of a candle, and the light seems to have gone out, And uh, there's just a wisp of 
smoke, which looks like the remnants of the light that's left. Think about this. We've just seen Jesus in a blaze of glory. He's so bright, he can't get away from people. He's shining so bright, people are just following his light, and everybody is getting healed, and it's just so big. He's saying, don't tell anybody about this. This is getting too big. And here we have a picture of a candle with a, a wick, and that, that little bit that's on top of it is smoking. It's all over. Well, of course, we know what ultimately these are referring to. It's referring to Jesus' death on the cross, where it looked like the ministry of the Son of God, the light of the world, seemed to be snuffed out on Calvary. Nobody believed that Jesus was coming back from that cross. Nobody. Not even the disciples who he'd kept telling, on the third day I will rise again. And even when he did rise again, they didn't believe it. They were slow to believe. So, so this, this, nobody thought that he was, he was coming back from this. They thought it was all over. And during that whole period, the trial by Pilate, uh, the, the trial by Herod, uh, his whipping, his scourging, his carrying the cross to Golgotha, even on the cross, there was no complaining, no complaint. He could have, he said, he could have called 10,000 upon 10,000 of angels to come in the nick of time and to rescue him and destroy all those evildoers around, but he didn't. He did this for you and he did this for me. The brightest shining light the earth had ever seen allowed himself to become a smoldering wick so that your little light would one day be able to shine. And we know the story that on the third day, Jesus rose again. His light was not snuffed out. It was, yes, a smoldering wick for a time, but on the day of resurrection, Jesus came alive, bright and burning like never before, so that on the day of Pentecost, he could send his fire onto the hearts of those that had been seeking him. So this is a, a wonderful picture of the personality of Jesus. Although moving in great anointing, Holy Ghost and fire, signs and wonders, three and a half years of absolute, incredible, unbridled revival and favor and anointing and healings and salvations and provisions for that three and a half years, yet he allowed that fire of his public presence, he allowed it to get lower and lower and lower and lower until on the cross it was just a little wisp of smoke. Have you ever put out a candle? Have you ever put out a candle with just your fingers? When we, when we kids learned that trick that you just, you lick your finger and your thumb and then you just tss. when you do that, more, more of the smoke uh, comes up. You know, we don't think much about candles today, I guess, when we turn on electric lights, left, right and centre. It's amazing when you think about it, you can turn in a room, press a switch, let there be light. But you think of the times or places where candlelight is the main light. And uh, in, in the Victorian times, um, the quest was to get a candle that burned without smoke. Because the better grade the candle, the less smoke there would be. You think about it. You're lighting your house with candles. There's no electricity. 
So you're going to have all this light, but also if the grade of the candle is not, is not very pure, then what will happen is the, the, uh, the wick will not just burn the candle, but the impurities in that wick will give off smoke. And you could easily, with tens of candles lighting a house, especially a big house, you could easily be in a very smoke-filled environment. Now, uh, none of us agree that we should be um, hunting whales because they're nearly extinct. And one of the reasons that they're nearly extinct was because whales provided so much for the Victorians that they wanted to hunt them because they made everything, uh, almost everything out of everything that was in the whale. And one of the things that was greatly prized from the whale was the whale fat or, the, or some substance in the whale, whale oil, sorry, whale oil that could be turned into some of the best candles that you could buy. They were very expensive because they were, the whale oil was so pure that when it burnt, it burnt, that the candle flame burnt with a brilliant light and hardly any smoke from it at all. If you couldn't afford these, these expensive candles, then you're going to have to put up with a bit of smoke, smoking up the room, smoking up your eyes. And so here is a picture of Jesus, who was a candle, and you've just got that, that little bit of smoke that's there. Just in, in his case, it was a sign that it hadn't thoroughly gone out. Uh, but in our case, I think it's something different. Because the Holy Spirit wants to fill us with his fire. John said, I baptize in water, but Jesus is coming and he will baptize or immerse you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's a promise. We know on the day of Pentecost that when the Holy Spirit came, he came in wind and fire, a sound like a mighty rushing wind, but also fire. They look like human candles because on the top of every one of their heads, there was a flame. They were being baptized with the fire of God. There they were, flames. They could see on one another's heads. And I want to ask us today, the Holy Spirit wants to burn brightly in us. Jesus is the light, but he also says, you too are the light of the world. He says, don't hide your light under a lampstand, but be like a city on the hill with all its lights on. Blaze so that people can see the light, the light of witness, the light of God's power, the light of God's change on, on your lives. So we are called as Christians to burn bright. If you've ever been a, if you were a child as a Christian, you may have sung this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And that's a real Bible truth. You are Jesus's lights in the world. And the brighter you burn, the greater the influence of God and the more darkness will be dispelled. Wherever you go as a burning candle of the Lord, you are dispelling darkness. Darkness in the atmosphere, darkness through your love, darkness through your prayer, darkness through your kindness, darkness through your character, darkness through your proclamation. Darkness is being dispelled wherever you are. So this flame of God, this light of God, which is given to us, uh, we, we need to cherish and ask the Lord to burn brightly in us and through us. You hear what I'm saying? Just like Jesus burned burn brightly. But the thing we have to remember is that this fire that the Lord 
has placed in our hearts, and if you're a believer here today, you have it. But this fire not only burns to shine light into the darkness, this fire doesn't only burn to provide Holy Ghost energy and anointing and empowering in your prayer life. You know, when you, you hear somebody pray and you say, wow, that person prayed with fire. You don't just mean that they prayed intensely or with a loud voice, but when they prayed, there was fire, there was, there was anointing. God was inhabiting and burning through their, their, their prayers. Their words were like fire. God says, is not my word like fire? I think it's Jeremiah that says that. So God's word can be anointed with fire. Our prayers can be fire-filled. Our preachings can be fire-filled. Uh, our lives can be fire-filled. We can be fire-breathers for the Lord. So the fire brings light. The fire brings energy empowerment and anointing in our lives but the fire also brings uh, purifying purifying and that's where I want to speak a little bit about now you know uh, Malachi said that um, God was a refining fire and in Malachi chapter 3 3 it speaks about God Jesus's return but it also talks about God coming to refine his people with fire so that they'll be ready for his return. We see in 1 Peter 1 verse 7, I'm going to, 6 and 7, I'm going to read that to you. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 and 7. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, if for a while, you have had to suffer various trials, in order that the genuineness of your faith which is more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tried by fire, may be found to result in praise and praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about smoke and fire, when we look at our Christian lives, sometimes we might think that we're more smoke than fire. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, if you light a candle or, or, or a substance that is full of impurities, you will find that it will give off a lot of smoke. It's interesting, if you ever see fires on the television or buildings on fire, I'm, I remember once uh, watching on television a fire that had uh, started in, a, in like a chemi chemical plant. And the thing was, this chemical, as it burnt, just gave up clouds of toxic fume. In fact, there was so much toxic fume coming from this uh, um, chemical plant that you couldn't see any fire. Just fumes, just big, billowing, polluting clouds that were just going out of this chemical factory into the surrounding area and they had to evacuate the area because of these clouds of chemicals. Couldn't see any fire. All you could see was clouds, toxic clouds. But you knew that beneath those clouds somewhere there was fire burning. Sometimes in our Christian lives we can look at our lives and our walk with the Lord and perhaps what we see is billowing contaminated smoke from our lives. We, we, we're not singing, let my little light shine, because it isn't shining, but out of us is bellowing smoke 
and clouds of smoke. What's going on? All the impurities in our lives are coming out. You say, oh, well, that's probably not a Christian. If the smoke of their sin and the smoke of their rebellion and the smoke of their pride is billowing out of their lives and, and, and all, every, all anybody's getting is a toxic whiff of the flesh or sin or arrogance or whatever it might be, you would say, oh, that person's probably not a Christian. On the contrary, they probably are. And what's happening is deep down, there's a little light shining, but the person has got such toxic thinking and flesh in their lives that even a little burning of the spirit just just burns and all the toxins that are in you start to come out. Jesus is trying to cleanse us. Jesus is trying to purify us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Peter says that our faith, our trust in God, is worth more than gold, because gold will perish, but our faith won't. You know, the stronger your faith gets, the more you're walking in a permanent, eternal state of being. What I mean by that, the purer your, the purer your faith, the more of eternity is in you. The more of God is in you, there's less to be shaken in you. There's less of the earthliness in you, the fleshliness in you. The more your faith is purified, the less this earth has got a part in you and the more you can deal with whatever comes your way. You see, purity is not about don't do this, do this. Fed up, I don't know about you, but I'm fed up with people preaching moral law. Just a bunch of do's and don'ts and this is and that. Nobody gets sanctified by preaching do's and don'ts. You get sanctified by preaching the cross, preaching Christ, and who you are deep down inside that's trying to get out. That's what comes out. Because there's always more do's and there's always more don'ts. To hell with the moral law. What we need is Holy Ghost conversion and Holy Ghost burning in our lives. If we preach that, it'll come to pass. It's how God, how God works. And so God is at work in your life. And, and, and we can aid him as we yield to him. Then quickly the stuff that's in our life burns off. But a Christian that does not yield to the Holy Ghost fire that's within them, they will continue just to give off poisonous, sinful smoke. Have you ever been in a smoky place? Do you remember in the old days, some of you, when, you, when they were allowed to smoke on the aeroplanes? And, and they had like, you know, half of the plane at the back you could smoke in, and at the front you couldn't smoke. Well, what's the difference? And I always ended up on the row, just the row in front of the smoking row. So I'd be there in the halfway up, you know, one row, and that whole flight, especially if you're going long haul to America or somewhere, and the smoke would get in your eyes, this bellowing smoke. You're in a place where the fire, you put, you put a campfire, it's just bellowing, bellowing smoke, or, or a smoky situation. It gets in your eyes, you can't see, it's hard to breathe. You know, some people are like that. You get close to them and you start breathing in their toxic fumes. You see what I'm saying? Especially with Christians. And let me say this. When the Holy Spirit comes in power 
and increases his ministry amongst us, then he increases his fire amongst us. And what that means is things and people can get very, very smoky, especially if they're not yielding to what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside of them. Like I said, it's not about do's and don'ts. The Holy Spirit doesn't work from the outside in. Do's and don'ts is working from the outside in. The Holy Ghost works from the inside out. He gets inside you. He starts touching you, cleansing you, speaking to you, starting showing you that the cross and the power of the cross and the blood of Jesus. And as he works on the inside, that begins to purify you. And then less smoke comes out of your life. This is why the Pharisees were so smoky. I mean, there he was healing a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. Doesn't get any better than that. The man was happy. His family were happy. The crowds were happy. But the Pharisees were smoking. They were smoking. They were, as we'd say in English, fuming. So the Holy Ghost fire that was healing people, setting people free, ministering to man on the Sabbath, salvation, the favorable year of the Lord, but its corresponding work in those that were carnal and refusing to melt their, allow their hearts to melt to the gospel, it was causing them to fume, to smoke all the more. Now, those Pharisees, if you'd met them before Jesus, they were pretty nice religious people. Pretty nice religious pastors. They'd counsel you. They'd help you. They'd take your tithes. They were pretty nice people. Uh, you'd think, what a bunch of nice people. But when the fire of God turned up, when the light of the world started burning and shining, and many came and, and basked in the burning light, light and, the and let the Lord shine on them, healing and salvation, but the Pharisees didn't. And as the fire burnt, they began to smoke poison that wanted to put out his light. You know, I decided to get one of those chiminar things that you can get for the garden. You know, they come on stands and you can put like um, uh, logs in them. And so when it gets, I haven't needed to use it this year, but when it gets a bit cooler in the evening and you think, oh, is it time to go in? You can say, oh, we'll just put the chiminar on. And so you just light it and it's there and you can stay out a little bit longer and warm yourself by this chiminar. Well, that was fine, except... When, I, when we first used it for the first few times, it was lovely to sit in its heat and its light, but the trouble was our clothes smelt, stunk of smoke for days to come. And so I discovered on the internet that you could get hold of smokeless fuel, smokeless logs. And, and so I got some of these, you put them in, you light it, you get heat and you get light, but no smoke. You know, that's what God wants us to be. He doesn't want people to be around us and then have to carry the stench of our, our fleshly smoke with them to, ca to catch that which is not of God out of our mouths or our actions, the smokiness that's not yet been burnt off. God wants us to be pure wicks. We're pure flames where we give off nothing but spiritual light and spiritual heat. That's what God's doing in your life. That's what Peter's talking about. He's burning out the impurities. 
But this means also that if, if you're discouraged at the moment because you would say, well, I think I'm more smoke than light. I had an argument with my family or, or I, I, uh, you know, I, I lost it at work or, you know, I've just, I've just been caught in a sin or I'm just not where I should be. And, and you say, you know what? I'm more smoke than light. Well, if you recognize that, don't be overly concerned but believe and trust God and cooperate with him in your heart and your mind so that he can do a proper work of burning off all that rubbish that is burning in, in your life. You know, if you've ever had a campfire, if you've ever been on a campfire and you can light this campfire and you get it going and it's a roaring flame, heat and light, but then you leave it for a few hours or you go to sleep and you wake up in the morning, it's cold. You look at the campfire, it looks dead. But you go over to the campfire and a campfire expert knows that if you, if you just move it around a little bit in the soot and just see a little wisp of smoke, just one wisp, just one wisp of smoke, even though it looks like the campfire is dead, you know that all you need to do is blow and blow and blow and sometimes you have to blow very hard I mean when my chiminar went out one night and then I went out and I could just see a little and I blew oh I need one of those bellows you know those bellows have you ever blown and blown on a fire to get it going and you're exhausted by the end of it but then after a while that which looked dead has come alive again this is why the Holy Spirit blows with wind as well as fire because he knows that at times in our lives the light of Christ and the flame of the Holy Spirit does burn very low. Sometimes it's our own fault, but often it's not. Sometimes the heavy knocks of life, perhaps we've been mistreated, or our disappointments, or our expectations that aren't fulfilled, or situations come, and these situations sort of pour water on our fire. You know, you're there, you're born again, you're a new Christian, and it's like nothing's going to go wrong ever again, and you love Jesus, and you're on a high, and then bang, 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 the devil hits you. Bang, 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 even worse, believers hit you. Disappointment. And then, it, and then your, your spiritual life, it can almost feel like it's lost it. You say, I've lost my fire, ne it'll never return. You feel de-energized. You feel every time you hear a sermon, you don't hear the good bits, you always hear the bad bits because you think you're the bad person. And you're down and you're out. But let me tell you something, Jesus will never allow, it, allow your flame to go out. He might allow it to go by various means, sometimes not of our own, to a very flicker, to where it almost seems just a wisp of smoke. But if he allows that to happen, it's because he's going to make it burn all the brighter. Let me encourage you today. If you feel that your Christian life, we're talking about revival fire and uh, we're talking about spiritual revival and you're just hoping for spiritual survival. If we're talking about being filled with the Holy Ghost and fire and, and, and you think, well, I've got a bit of smoke, that's it. Don't give up on yourself because God hasn't given up on yourself. The Holy Spirit blows like a wind. In fact, the word spirit means wind. He's blowing where he wills. Seek the Lord with whatever little strength you have. If you just got strength enough to put your hand in the air, now I know I'm not speaking to anybody here tonight because you wouldn't be out here tonight if this was you. If, if you are discouraged, God's going to encourage you. But there's people out there that might hear this or watch this. 
where they're so smoky they can't even get to church. They think it's all over. Well, I speak to you. Just seek the Lord with whatever strength you've got, whatever prayer you can give. Even if it's just a groan, he hears our groanings. And slowly but surely, the Holy Spirit will begin to blow on the fire and light that Christ has placed within you. And it'll begin to burn. And just like that campfire that looked like it was dead, you will blaze in fire again. Don't worry about the smoke that comes, especially if you're concerned about it. It's those that aren't concerned about the bellowing smokiness of their life that are the real problem. They think they're on fire, but they're just, they're just walking around like a cloud of smoke. Now, you, many of you might not get this, but anybody uh, remember Peanuts and Charlie Brown? Well, I used to live in Canada as a small boy, and that was, that was the thing that was put in front of me all the time, Peanuts and Charlie Brown. And there was a character in Charlie Brown that you, that you might not know, and his name was Pigpen. Pigpen, you can Google him. And in the cartoon, wherever he went, there was just a ball of dust around him. And sometimes believers can be that. But look, God is burning things off in our lives today. God is burning us, not only so we can burn brighter and more powerfully, but also he wants the wick, the candle wick of our lives to become purer and purer so that we can burn brighter and brighter, bigger flames, brighter flames, and more heat to do his will on the earth. God is at work. Let's pray if uh, we could have the, the worship team back. Smoke and fire. Smoke and fire. God is at work. He's burning, he's cleansing. Don't be too distressed about your situation if you feel that you're just nowhere with God. It's not necessarily a bad place to be. If you say, do you know what, Bruce, my life, I want, I want to serve the Lord, but I'm giving off more smoke than fire, don't worry. Don't worry, you're in a good place. Just trust the Lord. Don't give up. That smoke will eventually be burnt off if you just trust the Lord, and there'll be a purer flame and a purer wick within. Remember, Peter, your faith is the wick. And God is cleansing and purifying you. You're going to give off smoke. Forgive others that give off smoke in your presence and pray for them. And pray for those that are giving off smoke but think they're giving off fire. Lord, we ask you to come right now into our lives. We open ourselves up right where we're sitting, right where we are, watching. We say, Lord... Baptize us afresh with Holy Ghost and fire. Lord, we want to be like the people on Pentecost who spent 50 days in the upper room where you were dealing with the issues of the heart. There was some great purifying going on in that prayer meeting night by night for those 50 days, preparing, cleansing. And then the day came when the fire came and the wind came. And the wind caught the fire and the fire flame. Lord, that's what we want. We, Lord, we ask you to continue your work of purification in our lives. Not through do's and don'ts, but through your heart touching our hearts 
with your fire, your presence, and your burning word. Supernaturally burning. Increase the flame, Lord. Help us to discern when smoke is being given off, which is a purifying thing, that we wouldn't be too hard on ourselves, but we turn to you in our time of weakness, in our time of failures, in our mistakes. We wouldn't turn away from you, but we turn to your fire for more cleansing, more, more cleansing, more purifying. Holy Spirit, Lord, in this polluted world, which is filled with the smoke, pollution of the devil, clogging up the spiritual atmosphere with demonic clouds and human thin stench. Pollution, 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 spiritual pollution all around us, even in the church. We pray, Lord, for a burning, cleansing, purifying flame in our hearts, in the secret place, in the Word. Lord, do a work inside us. Lord, let there be a cleansing amongst us that comes by the blood of Jesus and the grace of God alone. Deliver us from the law and its do's and don'ts. And thrust us to the cross where the blood was shed, not only for the forgiveness of sin, but to cleanse us and purify us. Lord, sprinkle us in the Spirit with the blood of Jesus. If the blood of goats and bulls could sanctify the Holy of Holies, the priests, the Book of the Covenant and the people, how much more will the true blood of Jesus that resides in heaven cleanse and purify and consecrate your church for acts of service. So Holy Spirit, we pray now, now, right now, right this moment, that you would sprinkle us again with the blood of Jesus, that all judgment would pass over us because of the blood of the Lamb. And that that blood that you're sprinkling spiritually afresh right now in our lives, Lord, would attract the favor of God and the blessing of God. Lord, not only did you not judge Israel when they were sprinkled with blood, but you brought your favor on them. So for no other reason but the blood of Jesus sprinkled by the Holy Spirit, we ask you, Lord, to come in favor and grace and mercy on our lives and situations. But we thank you that that blood, the blood of Jesus, does not only cover us, but it gets inside us and it cleanses us. It's a deep cleaning blood of Jesus. It's a deep cleaning delivering, washing. Nothing washes cleaner than the blood of Jesus. No washing powder on earth. Even the best washing powder to make the whitest of shirts white. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash 
us so white, so white as snow, so dirty, so deeply stained with sin, yet the blood of Jesus, as we call upon the Holy Spirit, who is the sanctifier, do's and don'ts don't sanctify you. The Holy Ghost sanctifies you personally. The Holy Ghost came on Pentecost to take the place of the law that came on the first Pentecost. The first Pentecost brought the law, do's and don'ts. The second Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came himself and said, I will cleanse you by the blood of Jesus. Holy Spirit, do your work. Do your wonderful work. None of us are claiming to be smokeless vessels. We know how smoky we are. We know how toxic we must be in the nostrils of the Father sometimes, as well as in the nostrils of one another, spiritually speaking. But we're coming for the cleansing fire. We're coming for the cleansing blood. We're coming for the sweet healing of the soul that the Holy Spirit brings from the Master who is our healer. Lord Jesus, speak the word and we will be healed. Send the Spirit in increasing measures that we might be pure from the inside out, coming to the temples of our heart afresh. Mind not that they are smoke-filled, but instead let that flame burn brighter, burning, 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 burning up sin, burning up the dross, burning up the impurities, purifying our faith, purifying our lives. Don't stop, Lord. Even when we cry out and ask you to stop in pain, keep going because you are doing a wonderful work. Come Holy Spirit with your fire. Come Holy Spirit with your grace. Come Holy Spirit with the wind. Let the wind blow on the fire in our hearts, Lord. Let the wind blow as the fire burns, let the wind blow. As the fire burns, let the wind blow. As the fire burns, let the wind blow. As the fire burns in your servant's heart, let your wind blow and whip up that fire by the wind, Holy Spirit. Your fire, your wind. Blow, Holy Spirit, as you will. Blow in different directions, in different measures that the fire might be stirred. The fire of God, the light that is Jesus in our hearts. Let his flame burn brighter and let the Holy Spirit cause that flame to burn, to begin to roar, to begin to blaze. We call on the Lord tonight. We call on the Lord in intercession tonight. We pray. We pray in the name of Jesus for the fire of the Holy Spirit. We pray for the inward work of the Holy Spirit to be increased, not decreased. We pray for more, Lord, more of you, more of your activity, more of your intervention, more of your word, more of your cleansing, more of your influence, more of your impartation. Let there be an impartation of fire in our hearts tonight and our circumstances. We pray for those that are at a low ebb, those that, that feel like they're a wisp of smoke, Lord, breathe on them again. You promised us that you would never quench a smoking flax or a smoke. You promised you'd never, you'd never quench the light that you'd put in your children. We are children of the light. And so for those, Lord, that feel 
that feel as if their light is almost out, we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that you will come and that you will do a work of restoration. And the fire, I hear the Lord saying that there are people that are listening, watching, maybe even here tonight, where you remember times of great blazing fire in your life. And it, and, and it was the Holy Spirit. It wasn't you very, you know, just excited. It was genuine fire. And do you remember those days of great fire? And you look at your heart now and you think, wow, will those days return? I want to tell you that those days are returning and that sometimes God allows the fire to burn down for a purpose so that he can do a work so that he can bring more fire, but this time the fire will burn with purity and not smoke. I say again, if the Holy Spirit, well, maybe I've not said this again, but it's the same thing. Let me say this again, but prophetically. If the Holy Spirit sent his fire on the British church right now, there would be such a result of smokiness that would come out of the fire that his fire would even be obscured. Remember, revival fire not only brings the good things of God, it also brings out the flesh in people and it also challenges the demonic in people. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in power. The Holy Spirit does his work, great salvation, deliverance, favor, but also the flesh is burnt and begins to smoke and if people refuse to yield, it smokes all the more. And also when the Holy Ghost comes in power, it begins to challenge demonic powers in us and around us. So what the Holy Spirit is doing, one of the things the Holy Spirit is doing is he's preparing a great candle of the Lord in Great Britain that's going to burn pure and with fire. There'll always be a bit of smoke, but the Holy Spirit's on the case. Let's stand together.